Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center. Located at the Star in Frisco, the Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That is Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. Um, this episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located in, of course, Allen. Um, be it dental work, cosmetics, and implants. You deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make it happen. That is Allen Dental Studio. And also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, that being Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, uh, with locations in Carrollton and Dallas. Uh, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That is Texan, spelled T-E-X-S-E. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by only Taylor Raglan. We just got a I got a two man band for this uh, for Monday's episode as we uh, as we conclude our uh, man. It feels like we've been doing these for uh, for quite a while now, but we, we are have finally been. Uh, weeks. We are finally at the finish line, the last of our uh, of our district previews in anticipation mm-hmm. of high school football season. It is today is Monday. First game is on uh, on Thursday, man. We are officially down to just uh, just a few more days. Yep, we're in it. So, um, so yes, yeah, so we've talked 4A, we've talked private schools, we've talked 5A, we've talked our first three 6A districts. Let's close us out with a look mm-hmm. at District 6, 6A. Uh, Louisville ISD, Irving ISD, Capel. This was a very, uh, a very fun district to monitor last season just because it produced probably uh, at least within our coverage area at least, two of the more improbable turnarounds of uh, Mm -hmm. really any program that we cover. Um, And they were, ironically enough, the teams that finished first and second in this district. With uh, Flower Mound and Louisville, two teams that uh, could not have been further off the reservation, at least, you know, as far as external expectations went, um, as far as teams that could potentially vie for a district championship. And sure enough, yeah, man, you had Flower Mound Mm -hmm. getting to the mountaintop for the very first time in their program history. Um, Just to kind of uh, give y'all a run down of where we last left off um, as far as what the district standings looked like last year. You had Flower Mound finishing mm-hmm. in first place, Louisville in second, Capel and Hebron. Uh, Capel took third, Hebron took fourth. Those are your four playoff teams. Uh, Marcus, the odd man out, they took fifth place. And then you had the three Irving schools bringing up the rear with MacArthur in sixth, Nimitz in seventh, and Irving High in eighth. Um, Man, let's uh, let's start at the top. Sure. Let's uh, let's start with the uh, again the Jaguars. One of the more uh, impressive turnaround campaigns under mm-hmm. head coach Brian Basil, as they uh, as they were uh, yeah they they ran the table. I could not have told you like how much of a of an expectation that might have been for the Jaguars heading into last season. Uh, nevertheless, yes, they uh, they bested all comers in District Six Six A, and um, were able to parlay that into a district championship. So as they begin their uh, their district title defense, we're gonna 
to kind of continue the theme that we've apprised these uh, these last couple podcasts, and that is, um, you know, reasons to be excited for yeah. the coming season. Everybody's in a in a happy mood right now because high school football is right around the corner. Everybody's undefeated, and it is a yes. This is a perpetual optimism season. So let's um, so let's talk just some of the uh, reasons for fans and whatnot to be excited about their respective schools heading into the upcoming season. Um, I mean, Flarmon won a district title last yeah, year. Yeah, had I, a great I mean, I, season. Shouldn't be too hard to find something to be uh, jazzed up about with the Jaguars. I think that's where you have to start, and I, I don't mm-hmm. think you can overestimate what that does for a program. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was the first time I think they even made the postseason since like 2011, and they jump all the way from not even in the conversation to first Golden Football, mm-hmm. you know, on the shelf for the Jaguars, and and that carryover is huge. You know, just that mental kind of good feeling and vibe, and and that kind of desire to want to carry that forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we've done this. You know, we've checked off a district title. Can we win a postseason game? You know, can yeah. we can we go two or three rounds and, and make a little noise? Um, you know, and, and aiding in that, you know, not only is there carryover emotionally, there's carryover at the skill positions uh, in oh, particular. Yeah. Um, you know, Pierce Hudgens uh, in the backfield and Blake Short under center. Can't really ask for <laughs> a much better duo as far as just two guys that you can count on. Um, you know, in the backfield, they were absolutely you know outstanding last year. They come back. They should both mm-hmm. be. Uh, prime for potentially even better seasons. Um, no question marks at all, you know, as far as quarterback and, and running back. Um, and not really a whole lot out wide either. You know, some first-teamers coming back and, and some uh, some talent out there. The skill positions are taken care of, I yeah. guess, is, is what I'm saying. Um, but the offensive line isn't. You know, as far as from an external perspective, um, you know, they graduated five <laughs> five starters essentially five starters that made um, the all district team which is yeah and and, <laughs> and head coach names. uh brian bezel said that you know nate adams he called a returning starter uh, as a junior mm-hmm. i don't know if that many started a couple games or, or who knows but you know there are some names uh senior alex harden's going to take over at center nate adams like i said is going to be mm-hmm. back they're moving caden wood uh from the defensive front to the offensive front um so experience in the trenches i guess you know knows what it takes to win battles um you know where it counts down there uh but definitely a learning curve mm-hmm. you know it's a very different mentality um so they have talent but you know that's the biggest question mark you know short and hud you know what you're going to get from them. You know what you're going to get from the skill positions. Um, you know that they're going to produce. You know, Firemount's likely going to be able to score points in bunches um, if that, that offensive line mm-hmm. uh, can congeal. And, and I think so. Like I said, I mean, just a program mentality goes a long way. You know, I expect Firemount to be right back in the mix for another district title. Um, there's a lot of motivation, a lot of desire, a lot of intensity to prove that, you know, last year wasn't a one-off mm-hmm. um, and just a fluke. So, I mean, if you want to be excited, just be excited about that. You know, there's a there's a there's a winning air and aura around Flower Mound now for the first time in a while. Blake Short and Pierce Hudgens last year they combined for four thousand five hundred and twenty one yeah. yards. That was the highest total of any passer rusher mm-hmm. duo in the area among Class Six A teams. Um, just Hudgens' role period, I'm fascinated to see just what he is able to build on yeah. from uh, from last season. He he was actually Flower Mound's leading receiver, yeah. and he finished eleventh in the area among Six A teams in receiving. And the top ten were mm-hmm. all wide receivers. Yep. That's just the kind of special talent. That yeah, the they're going to be good, man. They're going to be special again. And that that kind of talent and that kind of um, I guess consistency and, and partnership and, and mm-hmm. trust in one another because those two, I mean, they they have a connection, you know, that, that rivals anybody in the in the area, potentially the state, as far as just two guys that are comfortable yeah. with one another and, and kind of know what to expect from one another. So. That can mask a lot of things, man. If you can, you know, cobble together a, a decent to above average offensive line, 
and be right back, right back where they were. And then you've got a team like like Hebron, which mm -hmm. you know Flower Mound is the uh, is the defending district champion. Hebron is the team that has got all the pundits talking. Yep. Because Hebron does have a uh, there's a lot to be excited about with this Hebron team, mm -hmm. just on paper with what they with what they bring back. I mean, it's a roster that well, first off, they have more returning starters than any team in the district. I mean, I've seen 15, I've seen 17. It's I mean, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of lot of carry over there. Anytime you're up in those high teens, mm -hmm. that's I mean, that's where you want to be. Not only that, they lead the district in returning all district performers. Mm -hmm. They have eight back. I mean, it is, um, it's a team that went three rounds deep in the playoffs last year, and lots of continuity to work from. You have Carson Harris, who's mm -hmm. on that short list, probably in the same mix as like a Blake Short yep. or a Pierce Hudgens as far as district MVP candidates go. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the top dual-threat quarterbacks in the Metroplex. Um, the, the backfield is intact. Jalen Lott's back. Isaiah Broadway, who was last year's Offensive Newcomer of the Year out of 6-6A, he's back. You know, he's already getting looks from Division One colleges. Um, they did lose Trajan Bridges, who was, you know, kind of the uh, the alpha and omega to that yeah. uh, to yeah. that uh, to that passing game. I want to say he finished the year with something like 54 receptions, and the next highest total on the team was 13. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's it's going to yeah. be how the colony feels with Miles Pricely. I mean, yeah. he was just one of those. You know, generational as far as high school mm -hmm. level talents, just unbelievable. But I mean, Brian Brazel is pretty confident though yeah. how they've reloaded. You know, guys like Colton Bradford, Donovan Tubbs. They get a kid from John Paul II, Jediah Henry, who's a massive target. You know, six four, six five. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's getting some Division One college looks. I mean, they're still going to have talent in the passing game. It's obviously going to mean a, a much different uh, different yeah. look as far as uh, distribution goes. Mm -hmm. And you know, obviously, when not you, always a bad thing. When you look at that yeah. kind of disparity, though, I mean, it's obviously Bridges became something of a security blanket to Carson mm -hmm. Harris. He's going to have to acclimate to not having that, but he still yep. does have plenty of talent to throw to on the outside. They've got experience up front. You know, Joel Suarez and Miles James are named All-District last year. Then the defense is, I mean, they're so, I mean, they're solid in just about every phase, be it Darius Snow, Michigan State commit in the secondary. You know, they got three All-District linebackers, Carter Norrie, Ben Rutherford, Will White. There's, there just really isn't a a real like glaring flaw with this yeah. team, which is scary to say because every team's got something that's yeah. it's not like the Well that's what I mean I expect Firemound to be very good, but that mm -hmm. offensive line, there's holes in the secondary. Mm -hmm. There's there's almost always places where it's like, mm -hmm. well, you know, there's you need some plug in plays at, at different positions. But yeah, Hebron just seems like they're just going to roll into... Does this feel like Hebron kind of checks off, at least right now, checks off a few more boxes than everyone else, just relative to what yeah. they have coming back. And um, we'll see what it all means. Like I said, the pieces are in place for them to mm -hmm. to potentially do something pretty big this year, whether it's whether they fall into Division One or Division Two. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're on that short list of teams that could conceivably vie for a, for a regional championship. And, hey, that's always worth getting excited about. Yeah. <laughs> could be a, could be a, a pretty big year for the Hebron Hawks. Um Louisville. Yeah. Let's talk about another. Just a uh, you know, Flower Mound was the uh, was the turnaround story of the district that kind of almost subdued what Louisville yeah. pulled off. Yep. Which I mean, in in a sense, like at least within the offices here, like Louisville's been that. I mean, first off, it was over a decade since they had made the playoffs, mm -hmm. and they had come so close a couple times under uh, under Greg Miller to you know to turning the corner and just to uh, you know to finally get off the uh, get off the Schneid under mm -hmm. under under head coach Michael Odell, a Louisville alum. A guy who eats, sleeps, and breathes that program. Yeah. Um, you know, such a cool deal for them to finally follow through on that. And um, you, but that's the question now: is was it a mirage? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can is this now? Has Louisville officially turned that corner into being yeah. a playoff regular? Obviously, now it's you know kind of like you mentioned with Flower Mound, with just this uh, you know just the air of mm -hmm. of change and whatnot. And how uh, yeah, I mean it's 
it's a brand new culture. It's a program that now carries itself with the kind of swagger and expectation of, okay, we're supposed to be this good. Mm-hmm. Now um, the question is, can they build on it? And it's going to be a... Um, it's going to be different from last year a little bit, I think. I mean, you know, despite some losses on defense, which was really kind of the identity of that oh, team absolutely. last year. Absolutely. I, I think I, I did the math, and they, they averaged something like 16 points per yeah. game allowed Against in the regular teams season. teams that could score. Yeah. It wasn't like they were out there playing a bunch of teams that had, you know, bumbling offenses and, and couldn't get in the end zone. I mean, they were, they were legit. Um, they still got Christian Versi up front. Mm-hmm. That helps. They did graduate Cadron Johnson, who was the defensive player of the year out of 6-6A last year. Their stud defensive end. Christian Versi, though, had an all-state campaign of his own. Um, you still got Earl Barnes, you know, another strong defensive tackle for them. Luke Halter at linebacker. The big question is going to be, though, how does the secondary shake out for Louisville? They lost three all-district defensive backs to graduation, and then a fourth, Antonio Wiley. He transferred to Wichita Falls Hershey after his dad, Antonio Wiley Sr., was Louisville's defensive coordinator last year. Mm-hmm. He's now the head coach over at Hershey. Um, so that you know that has been a unit that has kind of been in flux throughout the offseason. And then you got the situation at quarterback, which I'm fascinated to see how this shakes out. You know, Coach Odell mentioned Lynn Webster, Eric Palomo, and Taylor Green as far as yeah. battling out for that spot. Um, you know, we don't cover Louisville. Mm-hmm. That was you know Justin Thomas's old uh, old post. Um, I do cover Allen, though. I was going to say, we're pretty familiar with one of those names. Yeah, yeah. So the name Taylor Green certainly does ring a bell. And I got, you know, I heard kind of late in the spring that he might be uh, on the move out to Louisville. And I'm anxious to see kind of, well, first off, how he factors into that race. I mean, mm-hmm. it certainly does, you know, juice up the quarterback competition because he is a Division One prospect with some impressive physical measurables. He is a, uh, a tall kid, you know, mm-hmm. six, you know, six four, and he's uh, was a member of Allen's track team, so he does bring a uh, mm-hmm. some athleticism to that position for sure. Um, so yes, fascinating to see how he kind of works into that mix. But he's got some solid weapons around him, or whoever the quarterback is yep. that emerges for Louisville. You got Ben McAfee, who's back one was one of the uh, one of the better running backs out of the uh, out of that district. And then uh, out wide, Armani Winfield, who is you know just going to be a sophomore, and he's already got twenty scholarship offers. <laughs> he was uh, alongside with uh, Hebron's Isaiah Broadway. He was also the offensive newcomer of the year mm-hmm. out of that district. Um, I mean, he's got offers from OU, Texas, Alabama. You've heard yeah. of them, Taylor? Pretty yeah. good programs. Yep. I mean, he's on track to be, I mean, perhaps the best receiver that Louisville has had since Tyrell Shavers mm-hmm. a few years ago. Tyrell Shavers, who went to Alabama and was just an absolute matchup nightmare. Um, we'll see. Interesting to see it because he, he's only a sophomore. Yeah. I mean, so it's, he's not even halfway through his varsity career yet. So fascinating to see how Armani can build off of what he showed last year. Um, just yeah, just excited to see if it's if this is in fact Louisville officially asserting itself as a uh, as a perennial playoff contender because there's going to be a good team that gets left out in this oh, district yeah. yep. as um as we can get to now as we look at a team like a uh, Capel which Man. everyone is all over the place on Capel. Yep. I mean, how can you not be? I mean, that's on one hand you have a streak of what seven I think consecutive postseason appearances, something like that. I mean, it's it's. It's been a very notable run where yeah. they're going to make the postseason. It's something that you can pretty much bet on every yeah. single year, you know. But on the other hand, KJ Liggins gone by way of transfer. Drew Snigulia gone by way of transfer. They bring in Kevin Schumann from Jesuit, mm-hmm. a transfer of their own, who you know respectable last year for Jesuit with with EJ Smith. You you don't expect your quarterback to be, <laughs> you know, this prolific Blake Short yeah. level of of throwing the football. But you know, almost thirteen hundred yards, thirteen touchdowns. You know, very respectful, but at the same time, it comes into the program. You got to break in that face um, at quarterback. You lose KJ Liggins. Mm-hmm. You lose um, uh, Sir Niglia to to kind of push that competition and, and try to find maybe who the best quarterback is, quote unquote. 
Um, it's it's weird, man, because defense is, is very similar. They lose, I think, I wanted to say seven uh, starters, uh, many pieces of that defense. They bring back Walker Polk, who was the newcomer of the year oh, yeah. um, last year. So there's talent. Uh, you know, Anthony Black, they're excited about as far as wide receiver. Jason, I'm not even going to try to say this last name. It's spelled N-W-G-U, and, and I, I don't want to no even... no conceivable way either of us are I don't even want to venture into the territory of embarrassing myself with that name, yeah. but he's probably going to take over in the backfield. They're excited about, you know, the talent coming back, but at the same time, there's just so many question marks. They're just, they're just so young, and it's a lot like yeah. when we talked about a 968 with Plano East. Uh-huh. Like it's a team that's really young, and we don't know what that yep. means yet because it just isn't proven itself yet. Yep. But, you know, I think that's why the picks are so all over the place with them because on one hand you can absolutely see that this might be the year that they finally missed the postseason for the first time in a really long time on the other hand it's Capel. it's like how do you go against that kind of tradition and you know we spent the first half of this discussion talking about you know expectations at flower mountain louisville they've had seven years of building that expectation they do not miss the playoffs you know that it's just not something they go entire careers at Capel and make the postseason all four years it's just not something that happens so you know what can you say for that not only do you, do they just not miss the playoffs they don't finish under 500 yeah. they have finished above 500 for 13 consecutive yeah. seasons and they've spanned four different head coaches mm-hmm. <laughs> during that run um, so yeah I mean it's again like bet against Capel at your own peril yeah. because regardless of of how many kids leave or graduate or whatnot there's always talent in Capel there mm-hmm. always has been it's just going to be a you know it's just a little bit more uncertain right now mm-hmm. just because of the wealth of guys that either graduated or transferred so we don't know what it means but again, history says the Capel's still yep. going to be pretty formidable. Um, let's see. Then you got a program like Marcus. I'm excited to see what you're Marcus high on this them year. From I'm talking cool. to you, just kind of you know around the office and stuff. They're going to be the actually they're going to be the first team that I see this season. I'm going to go out and cover their season opener Thursday out in Arlington against Bowie. Um, you know, for years it has always been about the run game with Marcus, mm-hmm. and that's for good reason. They've had some storied running backs, and you just look at just these past few years with Justin Dinka mm-hmm. and just the workload that you know was on his shoulders. Um, um, but oftentimes, opposing defenses were wise to that as well. Meant a lot of stack boxes. Yep. Um, but it does sound like there's a chance that this could be about as balanced as Marcus's offense has been in a long time. Now, last season was only the second time this decade that Marcus attempted 215 passes. Hmm. Um, I mean, traditionally, like I said, they run the ball a ton. You know, it's been, if you just go back over the years and just add up the number of rushes, number of passes, the pass-run ratio, it has been at least 70% in five of the last nine seasons. Last year was the first time this decade that it dipped below 60%. Hmm. They passed the ball... um, I should say they ran the ball just 53% of the time last season. And a lot of that has to do with the presence of Garrett Nussmeyer, mm-hmm. who is a Division One caliber quarterback. And he's got double-digit offers for schools like Georgia, LSU, Michigan State, TCU. So pretty heavy hitters are, uh, are on the radar for, uh, for the Marcus quarterback. And that led to them you know, emphasizing 7-on-7 seven seven a bit more mm-hmm. this summer. Under, uh, under head coach Kevin Atkinson and they ended up qualifying for state for the first time in almost two decades um, and that was really where you kind of got to see like okay Marcus that's has a some deal for programs they have too. some talent at wide receiver they've got some yeah. guys that can run and catch those the ball kids, for sure those kids one I know appreciate that and take a lot of pride in that but two it's, I mean it's it's a vote of confidence for mm-hmm. those guys to know that I mean, seven on seven is that's literally what it is. Can you throw and catch the football? Yeah. And I mean, it's it's not pads, it's not fall, it's not Friday night lights, but it's it means something certainly. It was the first glimpse that I got. Um, J. Michael Sturdivant, who mm-hmm. was a transfer from the Kansas City area. Um, 
as good a receiver as I saw just yep. across all the seven on seven that I was out shooting photos for. He was as good a receiver as any that I saw. Jaden Robinson's back for them. Um, and then they got, you know, a transfer from the Denton from Denton High School, uh, Marcellus Lockley, mm-hmm. who is um who actually earned all district as both a receiver and a defensive back for the Broncos too. last year. All name team. <laughs> so um I mean yes, I mean they've got plenty of weapons and you have Tyson Edwards in the backfield who averaged seven yards per carry last year, mm-hmm. or more than I should say. Um, you know, he looks like he's the uh, the front runner to take over for uh, for Justin Dinka. He's got Tyler Ganey, who's going to back there as, a, as kind of a compliment. Uh, I mean, they're still going to be able to run the ball for sure, just now that it sounds like there's the, the pieces are in place and they're going to be able to throw the ball quite a bit more than they traditionally do. And I'm curious to see what it means. I mean, because for all that star power in Hebron's offense and on Flyer mm-hmm. offense, I could very well see a case where Marcus works itself into yep. being the top offense. Well, in, in a true 50-50, I mean, you mentioned the percentage last year getting down toward that 50-50, but with Nussmeyer and then, you know, still having a serviceable mm-hmm. running back, a true 50-50 is so difficult. I mean, that's so hard to, to play against. You can't, you can't do either. You mm-hmm. can't prep for either. So, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it, I'm expecting big things from Marcus, too. Yeah, so get excited for the possibilities of a more balanced offense by the Marauders. Um, be on the lookout, though, to see what happens on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, uh, they're switching up to a, a 4-2-5 scheme, so an even man front under new defensive coordinator Scott Wells. He came over from Sunnyvale. Um, you know, there's still talent within that front seven, obviously. Hunter Sanders, Jacob Merchant up front. Ty, I mentioned Tyler Ganey. He's one of their standout linebackers, plays both ways for the Marauders. Plus two-lane commit Ethan Barr at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Marks is going to be pretty well fortified on defense as well. I mean, I think this is going to be a very improved team from last yeah. season. And again, like some good team is going to get left out of this oh, mix because I don't yeah. see a, a team you clearly can look at like in years past. Okay, I feel like that team's probably going to be a bit down. Nope. And, um, I mean, yeah, there's you can make good cases for all these teams. Um, and then, like we have to mention the Irving schools. Yeah. You know, they are part of this this, uh, this yep, district. They even, do exist, even though we don't cover you know cover the Irving area. They are still part of the uh, the six six A equation. And last year, um, you know, ultimately it was you know it was tough sledding. You know, they failed to mm-hmm. to win a game against either of those uh, the aforementioned five schools. And um, there were some close ones along the way, though. Don't mm-hmm. want to just slide them entirely. You know, you had MacArthur give Capel you know mm-hmm. all sorts of fight in a uh, in a twenty eight to twenty one loss. I was there in person to see uh, Marcus. Week by Nimitz. Yeah, that's when I was convinced that Nimitz was okay. Maybe this team could be a could be a dark horse out of mm-hmm. the district. Marcus won that game twenty-seven to twenty-three. Um, of the three schools between MacArthur, Nimitz, and Irving High, I mean, MacArthur has the most returning top-end talent mm-hmm. with um, you know with three all-district picks back, but the defense is going to be really young. Yeah. lost one of their better returners, Blake Burris. He transferred to Parish Episcopal. Um, Jarrell Fly in the secondary is really the only you know proven commodity on defense for them. I mean, the offense has a bit more continuity with quarterbacks, you know, Trent Harden, Dylan Fredeloso. Um, they're expected to kind of split time at the mm-hmm. position, plus Jose Feliciano. Um, you know, with... But they do have only just like again like four returning starters total, right. which is the lowest of any team in the district. Right. So they're going to be really young all over. Irving Nimitz has Chance Hernandez back. He was really impressive for, uh, for the Vikings last year in non-district competition. Um, but elsewhere, I mean, they lost Christian Nils, who was kind mm-hmm. of the heartbeat of their offense, and a guy who could crack, you know, 150, 200 yards right. for them. And with as much as was asked of him, it's going to be such a different-looking team. Mm-hmm. I just, it's tough to really put a lot of faith right now, and just from knowing what to expect out of them, as far as being able to potentially crack that, uh, you know, that upper echelon. Irving does have 16 returning starters back. That's most yeah. of any team in the district, but they're coming off an 0-10 season, right. so you have to be I realistic think, with expectations. I there. think best-case scenario for any of the Irving's is kind of like last year you you play to maybe sneak up and, mm-hmm. and be competitive with some of these teams but 
I don't think they, they crack the top five. I think the order of finish is probably up in the air, and, and obviously there's a lot of pride when they play one another. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but they're probably, you know, six, seven, eight, just like last year. Yep, it was, uh, it was MacArthur last year that ended up getting the better of the two head-to-head matches mm-hmm. with the, uh, the Irving ISD schools. So we'll see what's in store there. Um, let's see, we can take a quick break and sure. then talk about some of the notable games to watch and then give our initial playoff predictions. We can do that on the other side of this break after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are back, and let's uh, let's close this out, Taylor, as we continue to preview District 66A. We have already gone down the uh, the eight schools in the district, so let's talk about some of the more interesting ins and outs mm-hmm. of the district schedule, including um, our picks for uh, what is one what is one of the marquee games to watch for on this district schedule this year. I think both of us have have kind of hinted at this a little bit, but I think Coppell and Louisville is going to be arguably the biggest game of the entire district schedule. I mean, there might be a different game for. District title implications, um, you know, obviously Farm Mountain Marcus is huge every year. And it, that could be a district title game this year, just depending on how those two teams oh, yeah. uh, shake out. Um, but I think Coppell and Louisville has to be kind of the one that, that everybody has circled as far as just pure postseason implications, you know, because, you know, we'll get into the teams that we think are going to make the postseason. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that could be for that last spot. Mm-hmm. You know, Coppell so up in the air, um, you know, with what to expect. The, the kind of tension between perennial power and question marks pretty much everywhere. Um, and then Louisville trying to back up, you know, what it did um, last season and prove that, that it wasn't a fluke. Um, October 11th, uh, that game is, um, you know, Coppell gets it at home for what that's worth, uh, you know, but yeah, I think that's just going to be a huge one as far as that could be a, a literally one that defines which one of those teams makes the postseason and, and kind of sets the tone for um, you know where they might end up. You uh, you did mention the Mount Showdown. Yeah, that is uh, yeah. that is where I'm leaning on this. I mean, obviously you you have to factor in just the history between these two schools as the uh, as the two as the two high schools based in Flower Mound. But the game between Flower Mound and Marcus last year was kind of a departure from the way it's traditionally gone. Last year was the most lopsided yeah. in the history of the rivalry when Flower Mound won 59 to 21. Um, I don't think that's going to be yeah, the case. Yeah, I don't expect around. that again. Um, you know, traditionally this is a very competitive matchup. The year before, mm-hmm. you know, Mark uh, Flower Mound won 17 to 10. Year before that, um, let's see, Marcus won 48 to 45. I think, given the caliber of these offenses, it could look a little bit more like that 2016 yeah. matchup. Yep. We've already talked about, you know, saying again, Blake Short versus Garrett Nussmeyer. You know, Pierce Hudgens versus the uh, that just dynamic receiving mm-hmm. core for uh, for Marcus. I mean, there is definitely the uh, the potential for some offense to be uh, yep. for some points to be put up in this matchup. So I think that the uh, the latest installment of the Flower Mound Marcus rivalry could be one of the better ones. And yeah, like you said, could very well be a district title hanging in the balance. Yeah. This game goes down October 25th out in Neil Wilson Stadium. That is Flower Mound High School's uh, their, uh, their home stadium. And we'll see, man. Jaguars Marauders. Always a fun time. Yeah. So let's, all right, so let's, um, let's round this out with the way we have for all of these preview podcasts. And that is... Making, by, making fools of ourselves. Yes. Predictions that we are 
sure to regret in a, it could be a matter of days yeah. depending on how yeah. some of these uh, got taxied this week yeah, I mean that's going to tell us a lot so yeah it could be the end of the week that we're both like well that was easy but yeah so as of right now on uh, let's see what is today's date on August 26th sight unseen we're going to try to make sense and try to least list out our preliminary picks for the four playoff spots out of this district obviously reserving the right to change these when we get to uh, <laughs> yeah. just before district play starts in uh, in week five and whatnot so where are you leaning Taylor who do you think are going to be the top four in this district I mean based on our conversations I think we kind of have a little consensus for for three of them you know I think Flower Mound um, and Marcus uh, certainly are going to be vying for that district title there's just so much talent so much coming back for Flower Mm -hmm. Mound um, so much potential for for Marcus Um, you know I think those two are are certainly uh, in the conversation Um, you know I I, man it's it's going to be of those top five teams for me Flower Mound uh, Marcus and Hebron are locks, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind uh, at this point. It's going to come down to, you know, as I've kind of already intimated, Capo and Louisville. You know, I think it's one of those two is going to be the odd man out. Um, and I guess, you know, if, if you if you make me choose, uh, I'm going to go with Capel. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go with the, the horse that's been there. I'm going to go with the consistency. I'm going to go with, um, you know, kind of the perennial expectation of making the postseason just seems like they find a way mm-hmm. you know it regardless of the circumstances regardless of of who's coming back who's gone who transferred who came in it just seems like the cowboys find a way uh to finish inside that top four and and, and make the tournament so you know for the sake of choosing like you said on august 26 i'll go with flower mound hebron marcus and Coppell mm-hmm. um with you know Louisville as 4b obviously okay. We do have a couple that are different, though. Um, I'm, again, I'm, I'm just sold on how well-rounded this Hebert roster is, yeah. and I, I do like the Hawks to uh, to come away with the district championship. Um, I don't think Flower Mound's going to go quietly, though. I like yeah. them as the uh, as the number two with Marcus, who finished fifth last year. Um, I'm, again, I'm buying into the improvements that the offense is going to show this season, and I think uh, yeah, I think they'll be number three. And yeah, like you, kind of just. Uh, wrestling back and forth on whether the Farmers or the Cowboys for that fourth spot. Ultimately, though, I went the other way, and I'm mm-hmm. going to what at least right now is the more uh, the, the more talented money. overall team, <laughs> yeah. and that being uh, Louisville with what they could have at quarterback. I've already mentioned just the stud at wide receiver, Armani Winfield. Mm-hmm. And then I was initially a little reluctant, you know, just about the defense, and then uh, just kind of getting an idea as far as what they had back, though it does feel like, you know, with the, with the secondary notwithstanding, there's at least enough within that front seven that I think they're still going to be able to approximate a yeah. good deal of what well, they Well, it all last starts year. there in high school, especially. I mean, it all starts with pressure and, and stopping the run. So, so yeah, um, we'll see. It should be a it should be a fun one. See, so, yeah, put me down for Hebron, Flower Mound, Marcus, and Louisville, um, and that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. We previewed everybody, Taylor. We did it. We did it. We got every single district, every single school that we time. cover, and now we get to look forward to week one. Um, that means, as is always the case um, throughout the season, you can go on our website, StarlookMedia.com. Every week, we will have our Game of the Week poll. We all pick five games from within our coverage area, five of the marquee matchups on um, for the uh, for our week's coverage. You can go vote on which one you think is the uh, is the biggest, and there'll be a nice little special treatment on the podcast on mm-hmm. Thursday as we preview our Game of the Week, plus some of the other standout games that we'll be covering um, in week one, man. It is, it is time to go, man. Yep. High school football, it is here. Thank you guys for checking out this, um, this episode of the podcast. We'll be back on Thursday. You keep enjoying your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. 
With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.